Father, in Jesus' name, we, we know that your grace is sufficient in our weakness. We ask you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of you. God, we want to steward the things you've entrusted to us. It's a trust, God. It's a trust. And we want to steward it in love and humility, but with boldness as well. So teach us to do that in love, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so I just have a few things that were on my heart. You know, you come to a conference like this and you see a bunch of guys get up and, you know, a lot of times you'll come away thinking, what just happened? <laughs> and, you know, uh, you, you feel fired up and you're like, well, what do I do now? Especially if you're not necessarily, you're, some of the things we've talked about, you may not be as familiar with them as, as others maybe who have been diving in uh, to these things already. And so, just to give you a few things, a few, uh, few items that I pray would help us to learn to navigate this so that we can be faithful stewards of the things God is entrusting to us. Number one, I want to encourage people, let's give ourselves a season to let the Holy Spirit detox us of doctrines and traditions that militate against the cross. Okay? We covered in two days just minimal appetizers, okay? And my prayer is that God has used this weekend to stir hunger in people. And that's why for the last few years we've just been throwing things into the, what we call the grain bin, trusting that hopefully Jesus considers it quality enough grain to actually send the sheep there at times. Now we won't know who most of those people are, you know, it's a, it's a web-based resource and uh, but I want to encourage you whether it's through the resources we've posted on the DTN site we've got all the way from classes to seminars to individual one-time teachings books uh, things like that um, I'm excited that John Harrigan's book he's been chipping away at that and hopefully you know we don't know ex the exact time frame but he's working really hard and he's doing it uh, to make sure that he, he does does it the way that the Lord wants him to do it. Excited for that when that comes out. But just giving yourself a season to step back. I don't know what that looks like in your own particular life situation. Set aside some consecrated time to let the Holy Spirit develop your antenna a little bit, if you will, to be able to discern doctrines that militate against the cross and doctrines that fuel a life of the cross. Okay? I'm not going to start going into those kinds of things right now. We've got lots. By the time you've maybe worked through some of the resources on the website, you'll get an idea of some of, some of what those are. But I want to, for now, I just want to say, let the Holy Spirit lead you in that process and give you discernment. And, <clears throat> you know, the, the hour is urgent, and we need to be... We really need to ask the Holy Spirit to, to show us what things we need to be feeding into ourselves in this time. Okay, there's lots of stuff out there. You go into a, a seminary library, you get on Amazon books, there's tons and tons of stuff out there. But it's really important that you say, Holy Spirit, show me what to read and what not to read. And then when you're reading it, if you start, if you're reading it and suddenly this person starts, he's starting to go and 
Wait a minute, the cross is, I'm, I'm seeing the cross. Oh, it's getting obscured, it's getting obscured. Oh, this chapter, it's getting trampled on. And then there's a sprinkle here. Just, we're asking the Lord to give us grace to really resolve to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. And giving yourself time to let the world, sh you know, worldview shifts take time. We can't just come and beat on Plato for like a couple hours. And really, you know, we need to sit in the Lord's presence and, and let, us, let him really give, give, give him time to, to do his work and renew our minds, preferably in a context of regular prayer. If you have friends where you, you can pray together, and like Richie was saying, get together in a small group, things like that. That leads to my next point. Asking the Holy Spirit to connect you to like-minded people in your area. Not just, you know, Skype meetings are okay if you have to do Skype. But I'm talking face-to-face -face life, where you can get together, do accountability kinds of stuff. There, um, uh, uh, sorry, I can't think of the transformation groups, life transformation groups, things like that, where you come together around the Word. Like-minded people that to work through paradigm shifts together, to listen to resources together, to discuss things together. If you're at a place where you've already kind of been seasoned a little bit more in some of the things we're, we're talking about, than to continue going deep together in the Word and keeping it fresh and keeping the cross before us. Don't get isolated. Don't get isolated. If you drove up with somebody, take note of the people who have a, you know, that when you come to a conference, you have a shared experience. Then you have the challenge, you go back home, and how do you communicate that experience to others who weren't there? It's always a challenge, isn't it? It's always a challenge. But the first step, you just take note of those who came with you and shared the experience with you and, and, and stay together some and ask the Holy Spirit to give you grace to communicate your experience in a way that's not elitist, that's not self-exalting, that's not like, oh, I got the one, th you know, that kind of thing. We want to have humility in it. But if something genuinely touched your heart, to be able to communicate it in a way where hunger is stirred in them as well. Don't get isolated, though. The last thing I want to happen is for somebody to go back and they're touched by this message and they're, they're not able to find other, they get themselves isolated and, uh, and uh, that, that just leads to, you know, it, it leads to a lot of room for the enemy to create misperceptions in your mind and vain imaginations and things like that. So I encourage you, find like-minded people in your area and do small groups together, uh, discussion groups around the things we've been talking about. And I pray that the resources that we've been trying to, to produce um, would be a service to you in that, God willing. Be patient with yourself. Now, when you yourself are going through paradigm shifts, be patient with yourself. Okay? Uh, let me just give you, you know, I, as I've watched people kind of work through worldview issues around these topics, I've kind of noticed a pattern. Usually, there's the initial like, oh my goodness, what is happening to me? And then you start, going, you start going for two or three months and you start to feel like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm being unraveled. <laughs> and it feels vulnerable. It feels a little insecure, like what's happening to me? And then, you know, you kind of move into, I think I'm buying into this. This cross thing is real. The day of the Lord is real. I want to tremble. I want to readjust my priorities. And then you kind of move into... 
why didn't my pastor tell me this growing up? <laughs> and why didn't my, you know, these kinds of things. And you've got to deal with, like, some, some heart issues that are arising. And then the Lord says, well, I, I'm merciful towards your pastor. I want to pray for him. Do the cross with him, too. You know, and so live the thing that I'm putting on your heart to do. And then you start forgiving them, and the, par and the, the paradigms are kind of settling in. And, and now, after about a year, year and a half, it's like, wow, this is starting to feel like a new normal for me. And during that, so, let me go back to that season where everything's kind of like being, uh, you know, you're kind of dealing with some of the hard issues that have been surfacing. You know, sometimes... You, you, you may not even want to pray for, the sick per, pray for a sick person. Like, I'm not even going to he pray for healing anymore. And not, the reason is, is because sometimes you may have heard, because your te the teachings you've heard on healing were so bound up in a theology or, or teaching that you're like, well, if, 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 if that's what they're teaching, I, I'm just going to throw away healing too. <laughs> but... That's not what we want. We don't want you to throw away an expectation for God to heal. We just want people to get these different things lined up in a biblical framework that's going to sustain them over the long haul. Okay? And so, things start to settle back in now. And you're like, wow, this stuff's normal to me. It's a new normal. You know, I'm breathing the day of the Lord. I'm putting my hope in the resurrection more and more. The cross is, I'm feeling, wow, more freedom in my heart. I'm the, the cross, I'm seeing the, the reason it has to be my only boast. And then suddenly, who God has made you to be in his body starts to, to, he starts to blossom again. I'm an evangelist. Oh. And you kind of had that, that year and a half of paradigm shift time. And then suddenly, like, I'm an evangelist. You know, that stirring of evangelism or that stirring to see God move in power again or miracles, or, or uh, the prophetic, or teaching, or whatever it is, the Lord begins to resurrect those desires. And now you're finding, wow, there's this real fertile seedbed, and these things are growing up. And now they're in a framework where they're going to grow up healthy. You know, you're not going to start seeing healings. The, the likelihood of you seeing more healings in your ministry is not going to lead you totally astray into self-exaltation, and now I'm one of the healing guys, and all these kinds of things. You just... You know, you just pray for healing, and then when they're healed, you testify to the day. And then if they're not healed, you testify to the day. <laughs> See what I'm saying? And, you're, and, and suddenly, you know, that we're seeing fruits of humility um, and the gifts operating in, in light of the fruits of the worldview shift. So, I'm, so I just want to encourage you guys, this is, we're, when you're working through these things, know we're still believing God to do awesome things. We're still believing Him for these things. But give yourself some time to let the Holy Spirit... And that will look like different times for different people depending on where He's got you right now. All right. Um, now, number four. As you're, as, just as the Lord is patient with us and as you need to be patient with yourself through these paradigm shifts and worldview shifts, be patient and long-suffering with others as they work through the paradigm shifts, just as God has been patient and merciful with you. Okay? Um, you know, sometimes when the Lord begins leading us into something new, 
and into another area of truth, sometimes it's tempting to not be thankful for the truth that he taught us through somebody else, even if, as he's taking us to a new area of truth, that other person may not be going there yet. We still need to be thankful for what we received from that brother and sister. I mean, you know what? There's a lot. I'm really thankful for certain things I received from the charismatic world. I grew up in a tradition that ne never really believed God to do anything, <laughs> okay, to actually heal anybody. And so I'm thankful that, you know, I heard a couple teachings and I heard a couple testimonies while God actually healed somebody and it stirred my faith and we began to, to see God instruct us in that area. But then, as I continue in the Word, I, I, I'm listening to, like, they're, 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 they give a testimony on healing, and then I listen to them work through the Scripture on it, and I'm like, I'm thankful for that healing, and I want to believe God to do something, but man, I don't think that's what Peter meant. <laughs> See what I'm saying? And I have to try to navigate that I want truth, and I want to be thankful for the thing I received. But I'm not going to back down on, on my pursuit of truth either. Okay, and so trying to trying to ask God to do this dance is in in the way that honors Him most. That He'll He'll say well done on that day is important. So we want to we want to be patient and long suffering with others. And there have been many times where I've been in a church meeting and I'm listening to somebody speak, and I'm kind of churning on the inside. I'm like, man, that's not the gospel. <laughs> okay. And you're churning on the inside, and you're feeling that, that burning in your heart, not just because, you know, we want to move from it being just a matter of who's right and wrong. We want it to be a matter of the truth sets people free. And the truth establishes people on a solid foundation. And it, Jesus cares about his flock. We want it to move from just like I win the debate to what actually establishes somebody on a foundation that's going to endure. And so you're feeling those tensions in you, and then sometimes prideful thoughts start to come and self-exalting thoughts start to come and you start to feel angry and, you know, this, this, this. And, and some of it might be like, man, we do need to have zeal over this. But then there's been so many times where the Lord's tapped me on the shoulder and said, let me take you three years back or let me take you two years back to where you were at this time. And suddenly you remember, my goodness, you remember some of the things that were coming out of your mouth at the time. <laughs> and the Lord shepherded you through it in patience. And suddenly, that zeal for truth is coming together with a long-suffering that God's trying to produce in us. And Jesus carries those things in himself. And so we have to trust that, as difficult as it is sometimes, that he can bring us to a similar place. I don't know what that looks like perfectly, but I'm asking him for it. So we're asking God for grace to love truth and people at the same time. <laughs> okay? Loving truth and loving people at the same time. And we read 2 Timothy 2 earlier in our discussion. Basically, that was a great passage where Paul is saying, navigate those waters. There's opposition, but be gentle. Don't be resentful, so on and so, 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 on and so forth. Now, the Lord doesn't call us to the message of the cross without giving us ample opportunities to put it into practice. And that's just to, just to say, the cool thing about this is, once we buy into the message, 
then the very message itself and our, our, our belief in it and giving our lives to it becomes the means by which we relate to those who disagree with us on it. And that, over time, can bring others along. Does this make sense, what I'm saying? So, um, <clears throat> so I buy into this message of the cross, and now I find somebody who's totally way out of line and uh, not on board at all with the cross, and they attack me. Well, if I, my message is the cross, how am I going to respond? <laughs> in patience, in kindness, in love. God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, obviously, it's, it's assuming the power of the Holy Spirit. And our prayer is that as he's giving us the words to say and giving us a responses, the right responses, that that itself will provide a fruitful context for seeing uh, the Lord, whether it's a marriage, I was talking to, to uh, somebody the other day, a marriage context, or whether it's uh, a ministry context, or just a friendship. <clears throat> so, you need to expect resistance. Expect resistance, but don't let the resistance be an occasion to start turning brothers into enemies or, 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 or demonizing them. But let the resistance be an opportunity for us to grow in the way of the cross that is growing as our conviction. And so let the resistance be an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit use the awkwardness, you know, the awkwardness, the, the elephants that are in the room, obviously that creates awkwardness. The awkwardness, the resistance to mold you into the very message he is stirring in your heart. Okay, and so I'm just going to, real quick, you don't need to turn there, I'll read it out loud here. John 6, we know the story of the feeding of the 5,000, and then Jesus gets into this whole discourse about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. People are like, what is this man talking about? And he doesn't have any problem just letting them wrestle with it. <laughs> okay, and then it says in verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts from da 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 da. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. And then he goes down, he says, verse 66, From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Do you want to leave too? You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? you have the words of eternal life. And so even Jesus knew that, that there would be offense. And we want to let, we, we want to guard our own hearts from offense when others may not buy in. Okay? And just realize we don't have control. We're not the Lord of the church. But, if so, see what I'm saying? The Lord has to shepherd that whole thing. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful I'm not the Lord of the church because I know how much of a mess I am and I can't even fix that, you know? And so he had a bunch of messes together and definitely can't fix that. So, um, but the thing we just want to realize is there will be resistance and let's guard our own hearts from offense. And if somebody else responds with offense, then we respond with the cross. <laughs> And, and just trust that the Lord will work out the equations in the end. Um, you know, Acts 21, there's just such an interesting little thing here where Paul arrives in Jerusalem, 
and he meets with the elders in the city, and it says, here's how his meeting went. Verse 17, when we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. <clears throat> then they said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They'll certainly hear that you have come, so we'll do what we tell you. These are Jews who had believed, and Paul is being warned about them. I wish I could say that all of the opposition and tensions we face are from pagans that have never heard the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one thing when, like, you've got somebody in the middle of, you know, whatever, persecuting you, and they've never heard the name, and then you, you're, Lord, forgive them, have mercy on them, and then your witness provokes them, and they turn to the gospel. It's another thing when we're all saying that we follow Jesus, and some of us are really exalting the cross daily, and some of us aren't, okay? It's just messy, and I, there's no way to get out of it. God's going to humble us all in the end, whether it's by means of that guy who doesn't know the Lord or whether it's within the body, okay? And so, just expect resistance, okay? Expect it, but when it comes, ask, let's ask all of us, let's ask the Lord for grace to respond in the way of Christ crucified so that the message itself that God's bringing us into with conviction becomes sealed in reality in us, okay? And clear? Everybody picking up what I'm putting down? All right. Number seven, lifestyle changes, church changes, family changes around the value system of the cross in view of the day of the Lord. Okay? Now, each of us knows where we are, and the Holy Spirit knows where we are, and we know where the Holy Spirit wants to take us. And what that's going to look like in our different lives, the Lord knows each of his sheep pretty well. For some, it's going to be music. What music probably has a little too much garbage in it that is not going to strengthen your spirit around the cross of the day of the Lord? For others, it might be movies. You know, I, I heard, who, who's heard of Rhonda Calhoun? My wife went to a women's conference taught by Rhonda, and she asked an amazing question about just the issue of, like, movies and things. She said, how much poop do you need in the brownies before you choose not to eat it? And that's just, a, I mean, sorry, that's a vivid image, but, but that's what sin is. Sin is, it's disgusting to the Lord. And how much do you need in the movie before you decide it's not worth it? Okay, and again, you know, all of us have certain thing, movies and songs that have enriched us, and, but we just need to make sure that they're enriching in the Lord's eyes. And I found that in my own life that over the years, my, by the mercy of God, my standards have gotten higher as he's brought more and more conviction. Okay, and we don't even, in our family, we don't even have a TV anymore. We just got to the point where we're like, I am not going the commercials and the constant bombardment to things that I think they tell me I need to be happy, 
you know, and then the const, you know, it's just, you know, you know what I'm saying, the commercials, just that, the, especially young men, you, you, whatever, and just the visual things, you know. So you just got to ask those questions and say, Lord, what does it mean to bump it up a notch, my lifestyle? And um, relating to people in mercy is a part of lifestyle, you know, trying to get to that point when you're, you know, you know, um, you're, you're looking at, you're sitting there across the, you're at McDonald's and it's obvious that the person that's serving you is a homosexual, right? And you're, I mean, all the indications and the Holy Spirit, you know, just, and, you know, obviously the Lord cares about him or her. Um, and asking the Lord for grace to make your default setting, okay, that person is no less a sinner or no worse a sinner than me. And make your default setting God have mercy on them and bring them to the salvation to salvation so that they can be set free from what Paul says will not allow them entrance into the, in, into the kingdom of God. And so having mercy in light of the day, so we're not compromising saying that this sin is in any way good. But genuinely having a sense of our own depravity so that, you know, um, you, you have a merciful disposition and outlook toward them and genuinely longing for them to repent and turn to the Lord, be cleansed and set free of all the stuff that's, that's, that they're struggling with so that they'll stand firm on the day and, and, uh, and be received into his kingdom. But the lifestyle changes. Church changes. I mean, if you're leaders and you buy into this message, we need to pray for you that communicating it to the flock and bringing them along, you know, building, the, the, the way we build, letting it flow out of a value system of the cross and the things that are valued, you know, that, that uh, not the, flash, the flashy, big, boom, you know, that sometimes we say is needed to be relevant is sometimes the most irrelevant. <laughs> See what I'm saying? And, you know, I'm not trying to promote one particular model of church or the other. You, you can have a, one form of church, uh, a traditional church, and they form their life around the cross. And you can have a traditional church that doesn't. And you can have smaller home churches that develop their life around the value system of the cross and those that don't. Okay? The point is, asking the Holy Spirit in light of what His particular calling is on your church to show you what it means to develop a culture of the cross in that context. Okay, so we, we're trusting the Holy Spirit to lead us into the application of these things. Family changes, you know, whatever, whatever area it might be, we really need to get our priorities straight in this hour. Okay, this is not the time where we, we want to just kind of be straddling the fence. We really need to ask the Lord to show us what it means to get our priorities in order. Number eight, in the midst of all of these things, don't let anyone deter you from the path of the cross. Don't let anyone deter you. One of my favorite passages, well, the whole Bible is, our whole, is all of our favorite passages, right? But, you know, right now on number eight, my favorite passage is going to be uh, Acts 20. And I'm just going to read it. This is where Paul is trying to get to Jerusalem. And he's stopping in all these cities and they get these people praying over him and Agabus prophesying over him. And all they're saying is, 
The man who goes to the seat of Agabus takes the belt and wraps it around his feet and says, So will it be with the man who wears this belt? He goes into Jerusalem and, and all the believers are like tweaking out and they're, you know, they're going into stage two of prophetic where you get, receive the word. Now we've got to interpret it. And they're all saying, Don't go! Don't go! Don't go! You're going to get crucified. It's going to be hard. And Paul, here's what he says. He says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, that the Spirit was compelling him to the cross, not away from the cross. Now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. The Spirit is warning him to strengthen him to go through it, not to sidestep it and go around it. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And so now I'm going to skip ahead to 21, 7 through 14. After he says that to the uh, Ephesian elders, when he gets to, uh, when he's on his way to Jerusalem, here's what it says, 21, I'm going to start in verse 7. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at, at Ptolemais, where we get, greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea, Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. I have four daughters, and I, I would really love them for them to stay unmarried and for them to prophesy. We'll see if that happens or not, but... Number 10, after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his, can you feel the drama? We just, this, Agabus, Agabus could have just said, you're going to be persecuted. But no, he goes and he takes the belt. He tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And so there's the word. Now, how are we going to interpret it? Verse 12, when we, re when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. <laughs> no, don't go to the cross. Don't take up the cross. Go, flee, flee for your life. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, I have resolved to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. When He would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. The man's nuts. He's going to go get crucified. What can we do? We can't stop Him. Verse 15, after this we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And we know what happened. The whole thing played out and it ended up being God's means ultimately to get Him to Rome to be a testimony to Caesar. So, don't let anyone deter you from the cross. Don't let anyone resolve. Okay? And if they oppose you, respond to them. Again, I want to say it again. Respond to them by means of the very message with regard to which you have resolve. <laughs> okay? Love, forgive, bless. Even if they're your brothers and they give resistance... Let's, let's win them through the fragrance of the cross. And, and realize that, you know, Jesus is just, again, there, he's just as patient with them as he is with us. 
So those are the, the eight main points I have. And one minor little thing I wanted to say before we close. We have about, Clint, what was it, 200 extra notebooks? We have about 200 extra notebooks. We want you guys to take those with you if you know of anybody who you think would like them. Okay, they're, they're, it's all free. Now, we, we, those cost money. And, um, you know, and so please, you know, I want, if, you, if you grab some on your way out of the, of the building, I really want to ask you, please make sure don't grab any unless you're actually going to give them away because they did, they, did, they did cost something. We want to be good stewards with that. And if you find any that were random ones that were laying around with little scribbly marks on it, like, because I, I think I used like three of them, three or four of them during the conference. I don't you know, I couldn't remember which one, where I put the other one, I just grabbed one. So if you have little marks in there, uh, sorry about that, that's my fault. But, uh, but, uh, the Lord is with you, saints, and he's with us. And man, you know what this is really ultimately about is our king is coming soon. And this mess is coming to a close soon. And in the midst of it, it's going to be hard. Let's not try to obscure the small print. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, we were destined for these persecutions. We warned you about them. And it happened just like we warned you. Okay, so we're not going to, we don't want to hide that. But we're doing this because of the baby that's on the other side. Death gone forever. Justice on the earth. Fully established. The devil shut up. And all those awesome things that we've been talking about. And so as you guys go, and you carry your own crosses in the context of wherever you go, keep the joy set before you. Let's pray. Father, we just are, are in awe of your leadership. We love you. We thank you for your kindness and your meekness, your long-suffering towards us. God, we tremble in light of the day, and at the same time we rejoice at your great mercy towards us, a righteousness from you, not of our own. This is our only boast in light of our only hope. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that all of these sheep that you love so much, that you laid down your life for. You are the good shepherd. God, those that might have, might have listened in through the, the, web, the web stream, others that were here in person, God, we're asking that not a single one would be lost in the days that are coming. Not a single one would be lost. That you would anchor your people in a solid foundation for the last days. We trust you, and we love you. And we look to you, our great high priest, in the order of Melchizedek. And we're asking you, King of Salem, King of Righteousness, by the power of your indestructible life, see us through faithfully to that day in the way of Christ crucified, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.